Welcome to Legal Tech Week for April 17th, 2020. This is Bob Ambrogi. Later in the episode, I'm going to speak with Dan Siegel, a Pennsylvania lawyer and nationally known writer on ethics and technology, about an important Pennsylvania Bar Association ethics opinion on working from home in the era of COVID-19. But first, let's go over the week's headlines. The State Bar has issued the first ethics opinion on the unique issues of working from home during the COVID-19 pandemic. The first major virtual legal conference of the coronavirus era is held, drawing nearly 500 registrants and raising more than $21,000 for COVID-19 related charities. Meanwhile, the chief executive officer of ILTA, the International Legal Technology Association, says that organization's legal conference will go on as planned in August, but it might not look like what we've come to expect. And finally, saying that the coronavirus crisis creates a state of emergency for corporations. The contracts technology company Knowable releases a free, streamlined version of its platform to help companies organize and search their contracts. So those are the headlines. Let me go into a little bit more depth before we turn to our guest. Pennsylvania this week became the first bar association to issue an opinion on the legal ethics issues raised by our new normal of working from home. This is important as a legal technology story because the ethics issues are almost entirely involved technology. And while the opinion focuses on Pennsylvania, it offers important guidance for lawyers no matter where you practice. In the second half of the show, as I said, I'll speak with one of the lawyers who authored the opinion. But let me sum up some of the key points. First, its overarching emphasis is on maintaining client confidentiality. When working remotely, the opinion says, attorneys and staff, quote, must consider the security and confidentiality of their client data, including the need to protect computer systems and physical files, and to ensure that telephone and other conversations and communications remain privileged, end of quote. The opinion then goes on to reaffirm some issues that had already been decided in Pennsylvania, including that it is ethical for an attorney to allow client confidential material to be stored in the cloud, and that an attorney may ethically operate a virtual law practice. But the opinion also adopts a major 2017 ABA ethics opinion that discusses a lawyer's obligations when transmitting client information over the internet. That ABA opinion was notable for advising that, among other things, lawyers should, in many cases, be using encryption in their email communications with clients, something that, from my experience, a lot of lawyers do not do. And finally, the opinion talks about a topic which many listeners will know is near and dear to my heart, which is the duty of technological competence. That duty, the opinion emphasizes, requires attorneys to, quote, understand the general risks and benefits of technology, including the electronic transmission of confidential and sensitive data in cybersecurity, and to take reasonable precautions to comply with this duty, end of quote. And uh, notably, if an attorney lacks that knowledge and skill necessary to implement technological safeguards, then the attorney should consult with someone who has that knowledge, which is, again, consistent with what other ethics opinions on the duty of technology competence have said. In other news this week, the first major virtual legal conference of the coronavirus era took place. And in fact, it's still going as I record this on Friday morning. The two-day conference drew nearly 500 registrants and counting, I'm told, as of this morning, still more joining, signing up. And it raised more than $21,000 for COVID-19-related charities. 
called Rocket Aid. The conference was organized by the practice management company Rocket Matter and its CEO, Larry Port, and was presented almost entirely using Zoom conferencing. Much like a physical conference, it had an array of presentations and speakers. It also had a virtual exhibit hall and breakout rooms for networking. While this was the first COVID-era virtual legal conference that I know of, by no means will it be the last. Next week on April 23rd, Latera, the document technology company, is presenting uh, its own one-day virtual conference called The Changing Lawyer Live. It features notable speakers from within and without the legal world, including Molly Bloom, author of the memoir Molly's Game, Scott Dorsey, the former CEO of Exact Target, and Gretchen Rubin, author of the best-selling book, The Happiness Project. And in June, ILTA will present its annual Legal Sec, uh, Legal Security Summit on Legal Security as a virtual conference that had was going to be a physical conference, but they, uh, they pivoted uh, in light of the situation that we're in now. That conference takes place on June 15th through 17th, and registration for it opens next week. Meanwhile, many in the legal tech world have been wondering about the fate of ILTACON, the world's largest legal technology conference, which was scheduled for August in Nashville. This week, I interviewed ILTA's CEO, Joy Heath Rush, who said the conference will go on, but that it might not look like what we've come to expect. We're looking at all options, she told me, and that will likely include some combination of the live conference for those who are able to attend and virtual programming for those who are not. Finally, in the news this week, the company Knowable released two new products, both in response to the coronavirus crisis and both variations on its platform, which turns contracts into data so that corporations can better manage their contracts and understand what's in them. One of the products it released this week is offered free through the end of the year. It's a streamlined version of Knowable's core product that helps companies quickly get their contracts all into one place and make them searchable. The other product is a fuller is a full version of, of, of the Knowable platform, but then specially adapted to help companies navigate the specific contract issues presented by the COVID-19 crisis now and in the months to come. Links to all of these stories are, are on our show page, so check that out to read more about all of these. That's the news roundup. Now let me bring on our guest. I spoke earlier in the program about the Pennsylvania ethics opinion this week. I'm joined now by Dan Siegel, the co-vice chair and incoming chair of the Pennsylvania Bar Legal Ethics and Professional Responsibility Committee that authored the opinion. Dan is a practicing lawyer in Pennsylvania, also president of the consulting firm Integrated Technology Services. And I'm sure many of you know Dan for his writing about technology and ethics in the uh, ABA's Law Practice Magazine and elsewhere. Dan, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. And uh, just just to, to begin, how are you? How are you holding up for during all this uh, craziness we're going through right now? Uh, we're surviving. I, you know, we moved our office remotely. My wife's home. She's a teacher. And so far, you know, it's we want to see people, and I miss swimming a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Getting to the gym is a is a real loss. So, so Dan, uh, this week the uh, the bar put out this ethics opinion. It's it's really the first ethics opinion to kind of squarely address this issue of working from home during the uh, COVID nineteen era. Why did the committee? 
want to get this opinion out. I assume you had to scurry a little bit to get it out as quickly as you did. Yeah, we had met in uh, March. Uh, we had our quarterly meeting. Uh, and at that meeting, the issue of uh, we need ethical guidance on working remotely came up by one of the members. It had been a topic that I had wanted to write on for quite some time. And because of that, and in light of uh, the governor's decision to make everyone in Pennsylvania pretty much work from home, we said, we're going to uh, draft an opinion and we want to get it out there quickly so that attorneys had more formal guidance than the pieces that had been out there. We wanted to compile it and give them practical and ethical advice. Do, do the ethical issues around working from home differ substantially from the ethical issues around working in an office? No. Uh, it, it's sort of the one thing I always talk about. If you can't do it at the office, you can't do it at home or right. vice versa. Um, and the difference is that lawyers hadn't thought about working remotely as much. And when they did, it was they went home for a weekend and they did a little bit of work. But this is actually moving your offices home in a large number of cases where you're holding conferences at home, you're bringing papers home, you're bringing electronic files home, and the kids are around. You see it all, all the time with the video conferencing where the kids walk in. But lawyers have a different ethical obligation than most uh, people, and that's why we wanted to explain it in one place. Yeah. The opinion discusses a number of topics relating to, to working remotely, but is, is there is there kind of an overarching uh, recommendation or conclusion in this opinion that, that sums it all up? Uh, well... It's that, you know, the lawyers have to do what you always have to do, take reasonable precautions to keep information confidential in whatever form. So we tried to use that as the theme and then address it through the various modes of communication. One is essentially email where we adopted an ABA formal opinion, uh, 477R, that simply says, you know, you have to take reasonable precautions when you're sending email. That applied all the time. But we also wanted to emphasize that the these requirements apply not only to lawyers, but anyone who's working on their behalf. And then we tried to give guidance uh, about specific situations. The, the, the best practices that many of us know, don't use public Wi-Fi, use strong passwords, uh, make sure your video conferences are secure, a, a really important issue right now, and general security concerns. Uh, to some extent, the opinion, uh, I guess you could say it, it, I think you used the word, reaffirms or affirms uh, prior opinions that have been uh, issued in, in Pennsylvania relating to lawyers' use of, of the cloud and lawyers' maintenance of virtual law practices um, the, the ABA opinion that you mentioned, uh, and its adoption of that, uh, 477R always struck me as a, as a pretty important opinion because one of the things that it talked about was a, a lawyer's obligation to, uh, protect 
client communications and perhaps to be using encryption, whereas the ABA before that had said lawyers don't necessarily have to use encryption. And I know that they still say lawyers don't necessarily have to use encryption. But what 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 is your what is your thinking on that? What to what extent should lawyers be thinking about using encrypting encryption when they're uh, transmitting uh, client information through email? I think it's critical, and in fact when we drafted the cloud computing opinion many years ago and, and i was the primary author of that and this opinion we talked about it in there toward the end that you may need to use special precautions the aba opinion came out a few years ago and the committee had talked generally about it and it was on my sort of to-do list that we would get an opinion uh, on that issue once we once I became chair, but this situation allowed us to really affirm that because lawyers are communicating sometimes a bit more informally I've seen uh, and heard anecdotally, but if you're sending client sensitive and confidential information, it needs to be encrypted, password protected if it's attachments. Uh, precautions made just as though you wouldn't leave, you know, your your client documents sitting out in the lobby of your office where someone could see them. It's really the same thing, just electronically. What do you think is the greatest, perhaps, a trap for the unwary for, for a lawyer working from home in terms of the uh, ethical requirements? I think it's the sort of uh, the being discussing uh, and people hearing about your clients and confidential information, conference calls, those things. Um, when I'm home and I'm on a call, my wife uh, has her office on the second floor in the back. And so she just goes there and knows not to listen. Uh, but uh, the example I always use is for sports fans. Uh, Brian Colangelo was the uh, general manager and president or whatever, the Philadelphia 76ers. He didn't have the obligations attorneys have, but he came home and was discussing with his wife for years uh, sensitive medical information and his opinions relating to players. And his wife then posted all that information on Twitter anonymously and it <laughs> came back. But that could happen uh, to an attorney where he talks about a matter that happens to involve a neighbor or someone his kid goes to school with. And if the kid hears it and then talks to the, uh, you know, a classmate, and it could be about a divorce or whatever, the potential is real. And we want to remind people about that, whether it's the conversation or you can't just leave all your papers sitting out where, you know, your high school student's uh, child is going to see them. On, on that topic of others eavesdropping on your conversation, you the ethics opinion mentions the uh, issue of smart devices in your home and Amazon Alexa or, or whatever else. What, what should attorneys know about that? Well, they listen uh, when you, depending on what you read and what the companies want to tell you. Uh, they record information. Uh, they're listening for cues. So if you're having discussions about clients or anything that's you know verbal, those devices should either be off or you should be in a different location to avoid the potential that they're recorded and someone, uh, because we know that the Amazons of the world do listen to those recordings or try to glean things, uh, and you don't want to take that potential risk. 
This uh, guidance applies, I mean, it came out in response to the uh, coronavirus pandemic, but uh, it really applies well beyond the, the current situation we're in, right? Yes, that was the goal, that this could be a useful uh, piece of guidance for attorneys, not just now, but once we return to whatever um, our normal is going to be. And, you know, people are still going to work remotely. People are still going to go to a Starbucks and work at times. And they need to be aware of this. So although, you know, the opinion begins with the introduction about uh, Governor Wolf did in Pennsylvania, uh, we try to make it clear that uh, the questions apply not just now, but for anyone or anyone on an, working on behalf of an attorney working remotely. Dan, what else uh, is it important for uh, lawyers to know or take away from this opinion? Well, you know, that we, we've talked about sort of the rules and the confidentiality um, but it's, again, that you need to act reasonably. You need to consider the circumstances of where you are, what you're doing, uh, how you're accessing information. And things that, in large part, a lot of times were taken for granted. Um, we also included a section at the end that talked about in these times particularly, there needs to be, you know, a level of civility uh, that's very important. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania, we not only have a, uh, an ethics committee, but we created a year and a half ago or so a committee on civility. Uh, so we believe all of that comes into play. And at the same time, we wanted to give information that would, would be timely, but sort of timeless. We don't give, you know, specific recommendations, which product is better, for example, because that's going to change, but the considerations don't. Well, Dan Siegel, uh, thank you very much for taking time on this Friday morning to talk with me. Oh, uh, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you very much and hope you and everyone stay safe and well. Likewise, stay safe. That's the Legal Tech News this week. Thanks to Populous Radio for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening.